Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, for, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> the New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to another exciting episode of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am once again your champion, the New Jersey Kid Joe Sheehan, alongside my forever tag team partner through four Royal Rumbles now, uh, the Rogue of Wrestling, Mr. Michael Newman. It's been so long, and uh, that defeat was so harsh, it destroyed my vocal cords. Yes. Uh, So... (laughs) If, if I'm a little hoarse tonight, it's, uh, you'll understand. Well, you were just yelling so hard for the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Uh, no. Well, so the, so the real story behind all this is I got food poisoning. But uh, I would like to say <laughs> that it was because I was yelling so much for just someone to get Brock Lesnar out of this goddamn Royal Rumble. That's, <laughs> that's all I wanted. Just anybody to eliminate this guy, even though I predicted him to win. But then Drew McIntyre saved us all. Yes. Thank what, did you, what did you think of that? I I like the I like the idea of what they did with Brock, right? Like they haven't done that in like a really long time. Like the last time I remember someone dominating the rumble like that was one of the years Stone Cold won, and I'm blanking on the year. Uh, when he was like sitting on the top rope and waiting for the next guy to come out, and he was like looking at his wrist like as if it's a watch. Um, yeah. So I like that idea, but they just went so far, like not until what halfway through the rumble that you got Drew to eliminate him. So um, I think they could have done it on a much uh, smaller scale, and I just think you could have like not done it with so many like. If you do it on a shorter scale, then you can do the jobbers like Elias and stuff like that to get eliminated and not guys like yeah. Kofi and Morrison and stuff like mm-hmm. that's the part that got me. Yeah, that was that was the thing. So because like from a numbers perspective, I feel like I understand what they were doing because they wanted to tie Braun Strowman's record. Yes. Which they did. So he got the 13 eliminations. So I was like, OK, so basically also he had run through essentially half of the rumble. The thing that really sucked about that right was the the people that they placed in those spots and the way that they didn't bother utilizing them, you know? Because, like, so, for example, especially, like, Morrison and Kofi, I think, are the two biggest uh, casualties in this whole scenario. Especially because neither one of them got to have, like, a really cool almost elimination moment. And so, like, they could have easily had still worked those into that 
and still had shown those guys off as having like a really good skill, especially in just trying to evade Brock Lesnar killing you, which is yeah. what both of them are very good at, right? Just I just don't want to get eliminated yet. Yeah. And then they could have done like a lot of really cool impressive spots of just trying to stay alive. And then eventually Brock catches them and kills them or whatever. Sure, fine. But like they just gave him nothing. Like, and it's like if you're just gonna give nothing, then like that's why you guys that's why you have guys like Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they had announced um uh fucking machine guys. <laughs> Uh, why am I... Oh, the Heavy Machinery guys? Heavy Machinery, yeah. We're announced yeah. for the Rumble and never made it in. So it's like, yeah, put those guys out there. Yeah, that would have... And even, like, a lot of the other, like, people that were in the Miz, like, like Miz, for example, <laughs> he was in the Rumble way later and didn't do shit. And, like, you know, of course he isn't going to do shit. He could have been perfect Brock fodder. Now... Like, I think Elias was one of the few ones that was actually yeah. done well. Um, I also kind of liked... I was a little split. I kind of like the Shelton elimination. That yeah, I thought the yeah, Shelton one was. I fine. just would have liked like my nostalgia because like I remember those guys like teaming together down in OVW and stuff like that. Like if just for a little bit they did work together to throw some people out, that would have been a nice change of pace, and then have Brock like betray him and throw him over. Well, you know, and say it's a scenario right, like where maybe uh, Kofi and Big E actually working together successfully to kind of like stave off Brock and then Sheldon Benjamin comes in, gives him enough of an edge that then he can get yeah. rid of New Day and then immediately afterwards he gets rid of Sheldon Benjamin. Yeah. That would have been perfect. And it would have allowed it would be like, oh yeah, Brock needed help to get rid of Big E and Kofi and like throw Morrison in there or something. Like just to give the right. baby faces like, the advantage. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot more things they could have done yeah. with it. And you know, just whatever. That's just but there was even the way they did. But at least the second the second half was a lot. Yeah, better. but there's still some little things like uh, uh, you had um, man, I'm really bad with names as always. Uh, <laughs> bro. Uh, oh, bro. Yeah, Matt, Matt Riddle. Riddle got like goes into the rumble and like almost immediately gets eliminated. Like doesn't do anything. Well, did you hear that's maybe due to some backstage heat shit? Yeah, I don't know how much I believe that. Because they tried pulling that crap with, like... Dude, I totally believe that. That's so Vince to do that shit. Oh, no, no, I just don't believe... Like, why even why even bother putting him in the fucking Rumble if that's what you're going to do? It's because they probably had a plan, but then Vince got pissy because Brock got pissy, and then this is what happened. Oh, I just... I don't know if, they were, if I believe that there was a backstage altercation, because they tried pulling that crap before, and it turned out to be, like, a work storyline. We're like, well, for, at least the rumor that I heard, which I feel like seems extremely believable, is that Brock went and like confronted Matt Riddle and basically said, like, stop tagging me and all your shit. We're never going to work together. And I don't know. I guess it's like, well, let's just punish Matt for some reason, yeah. I guess, to show him that like he's not going to work with Brock. It's like, oh, well, that's that's kind of stupid, but whatever. <laughs> it's your company, I guess. But uh, highlight had to be the return of edge yeah even though they didn't get Dude, the fucking spear on camera spear? in like 10 years wasn't it like the first spear in 10 years yeah and against... well that's like i hate their camera style where they just constantly cut away to shit all the time way too early top of all people like who's gonna sell it like so well yeah exactly 
Like I'm, I think I heard that they are editing it back in. So that now, if you go back to watch the Rumble, you do get to see yeah. the spear. Thank God. What a fucking epic fail that they missed. I heard. That. I heard a great point. It was like, what Edge returning is not when you do the crowd shot. You do the crowd shot on Raw when you had Randy Orton attacking him. Like that's when you do the crowd shot. Or you know, after he hits the fucking yeah. spear, and everybody's like excited, then show the fucking crowd excited. Yeah. I, like it doesn't seem that fucking hard, you know. <laughs> but apparently, it is hard for them. Maybe you know what? Maybe this is the secret reason that uh, uh, Wilson and Barrios got fired. <laughs> it's because of the fucking production screw up. I just don't know what's going on there. Yeah, George Barrios, who was the CFO of the New York Times, one of the longest running uh, news organizations, comes over to the WWE as a step down. I would say in terms of legitimacy, and brings them to prominence like stock has never been higher than it was this year and stuff like that uh michelle wilson's i don't know her accomplishment as well but like both of them had been there 10 years and then they fire them and the stock just plummets because they're like well now they don't know what they're doing with business (laughs) yeah i i would be very curious to know what the hell that story is because Seems like it kind of came out of nowhere, right? With like no immediate replacement. Yeah, uh, Meltzer's and, uh, idea is that um, uh, so this apparently the profit is not as high as they were projecting, which means your stock's going to take a hit. And so he thinks that uh, Wilson and Barrios wanted to do things to like fix that, like go for the profit, whereas. Vince mm-hmm. was arguing for spending like more money and saying like we'll make up for it like kind of next year kind of thing. The idea is that mm-hmm. like they're spending more. Like, prediction is that the the loss of profit came from all these huge fucking contracts they're giving out uh, in order to battle AEW. Yeah, I mean that that's a very valid point. Yeah, and so you know how much they're having to offer all these different people to keep their loyalty. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, a couple examples recently, right? Like, Edge's deal is apparently $3 million. Um, I think, is it $3 million? One, And if another rumor can be believed, too, is, like, uh, the Revival have been turning down seven, 700K contracts. Yeah. It's like, shit, if that's what they're offering tag team guys that they don't even give a fuck about, yeah. then, you know, what kind of contracts are, like, anybody else getting? Yeah. And it's causing everyone to exclude anybody named yeah. like anybody that they actually give a shit about is clearly making at least millions now. Yes. So, yeah. 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 That's, that's a big hit. And you know what? I mean, honestly, as, as bad as it is for WWE, I can't just help but smile because it's like, this just seems like it's good for the talent, right? Well, it's great for talent. Because like, whether ev- you stay or whether you go, company. you've got good options. Every company it's great for. Mm-hmm. Because I sorry, not for the companies, yep. but for the wrestlers. That right for the wrestlers. That means they're making yes. more. Um, yeah, because I mean, you have you have places like Ring of Honor that are shelling out more money than they ever have. Mm-hmm. And oh man, now in Ring of Honor with like uh, Marty Skrull, he's all challenging uh, Nick Aldis yeah. for the title. That's a big step up. And apparently he and as far as like the whole. 
big super uh, card they've been putting together with like New Japan and AEW and all that. It's like, well, I guess not AEW, but uh, New Japan yeah, at least. Yeah. Seems pretty exciting. Yeah. So a couple things on that. One, I love the stipulation on the Marty Marty Scurll match. Yeah. Uh, because uh, if Marty loses, he's gonna have to refund everyone's ticket. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got to win, right? <laughs> because I don't think NWA uh, wants to pay. Yeah, probably. <laughs> to refund everyone's ticket. Um, or Marty's making enough money that they're going to take it from him. Uh, and then uh, another thing was is I uh, I like the fact that Ring of Honor and New Japan are teaming back up again for these shows because it helps Ring of Honor mm-hmm. bring more talent basically right because that's the one thing they've been low on is like those big names in order to draw people to their events and then new japan without ring of honor hasn't been great in the states especially because they just lost their tv deal so they almost have no uh Mm -hmm. traction in the u.s and so teaming up with ring of honor is going to give them that it's true. They have lost a lot of more traction as far as yeah, like not having the TV deal and access anymore after uh, Impact bought it. Yeah, because they bought the channel, and then <laughs> they're like, "All right, I guess we'll just get rid of this TV show because we've already got our own." Yeah, so. we'll uh, get rid of our competition on the. Yeah, which yeah makes sense. Very fair, and uh, yeah, so I, I I can't help but hope that the strategy pays off for all the parties, and it's it's interesting too as far as like timing. You know, it's like Marty Skrull coming into a very prominent position in ROH. And I feel like I can't help but think that he's a very big part of negotiating New Japan coming back into a working relationship with Ring of Honor. Yeah. Or at least, I guess, like revitalizing that relationship. Because it's not like it really ever like went away. It just kind of was dwindling. Yeah. Well, I think I think it was just both of them were like, hey, let's go out on our own again. And then they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, the the wrestling business is a fucking complicated thing, and it's just, it's so constantly changing, you know, and it just it didn't quite work out for both of them separately for now, and maybe them working together will be a lot better. Yeah. Although, you know, it's, it's really interesting thing, you know, because the, the other X Factor now is, like, AEW being an, a thing now, like, that also kind of forces them into, like, working together a little bit more. And, you know, who knows what's going to keep happening with WWE and NXT. They're also just giant wild card and all that too i say wild card only in like the fact that they have had such a shift in their management without like a seemingly plan in place also with the fact the xfl is about to be starting up who knows what's going to happen with wwe yeah and apparently according to Meltzer, i'm sure it's going to be big and profitable but still i mean apparently according to Meltzer, vince hasn't been at tv for the past couple weeks really yeah that's crazy. Does that mean he's like? Does that mean he's not like last minute rewriting shit anymore? Is he just letting shit happen? I guess so. Then you know what? Do we have to blame uh, Vince's actual writing team for all the segments with like the Baron Corbin dog food shit? Like, was Vince saving us from dog food? Uh, like, was his last minute rewrites to get rid of shit like the dog food segments? I guess we have to blame uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard, right? Because he's the executive producer of SmackDown. I guess so. Maybe he's got a fetish. 
pretty gross. Oh, and then of course, right? Because I, I feel like Melter's been talking about that, like a lot of the um, Lana Rusev, Lashley, like infidelity marriage angle shit, like definitely has a lot of Paul Heyman written all over it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of that is because like Vince isn't like editing out Paul Heyman'sness in those segments. I don't know. Huh. Well, uh, it, it's a strange new direction for all those sort of things, but uh, I don't know. At least going back to the Royal Rumble itself, as far as uh, coming back to some solid direction, Drew McIntyre wins. He immediately declares for Brock Lesnar. Are you excited for this match at uh, WrestleMania? Yeah. And do you think there's any potential that it does not happen? Like, stuff Brock either has to defend the title before then loses it, or if Brock or if Drew <coughs> starts you. Loses his shot somehow. Like, do you think there's any way the match doesn't happen? Um, no, I think it does, and I think it's the most exciting option out of most of what was out there. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm actually surprisingly excited for Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. I think part of it is right because like we haven't seen it yet. Like yeah. Drew McIntyre is one of the guys they've kept away from Brock Lesnar. Uh, and, like, at least from a physicality standpoint, he's actually, like, as big as Lesnar. Yeah. So, like, he, he actually has that, like, believability factor for kicking his ass. And uh, I don't know. It it, it kind of seems, like, intriguing enough, too, as far as, like, giving a new guy a chance. Because, like, Drew McIntyre's never been a world champion in uh, WWE. Like, this is his first Royal Rumble win. He had never won... Money in the Bank, never won, like, King of the Ring. Big, like, accomplishment, really, other than, I guess, the Intercontinental title was the biggest thing he'd done before this. But he was also the Chosen One. Oh, right. He was the fucking Chosen One. I I forgot. (laughs) No, 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 but seriously, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, You got to give him a lot of credit that he was fired by this company, went off on his own, became a much better wrestler, I feel. And came back and now was in this position. Yeah, he's, you're absolutely right. He's phenomenally better than when he left. Like, you know, because when he left, he was in 3MB and he deserved to be. Like, <laughs> he was no good. But then he fucking got serious and whipped himself into shape and came back in a total, uh, you know, ass kicker. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down to see it. I think it could be fun. And I like too the uh, a little bit of like his own style as far as like him declaring the Royal Rumble and like saying that like look it's not my style to beat around the bush, I'm just gonna go right to it. Like I don't know, I just like that he kind of owned it in his own sort of way instead of trying to be too playing into the tropes. Even though he does point at that goddamn WrestleMania sign a whole lot of times, but you know, I'm sure yeah. they have to do that. That that's a uh, yeah, that's a requirement I would say. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on the opposite end, Charlotte still has not told us who she's facing. Yes, but have you heard the rumors about that? of uh, who she's facing? I, I've been hearing a rumor, and I'm excited about this rumor. That it might be I'm Rhea, wondering if it's the same one. Rhea Ripley for NXT. That, that's what I've been hearing. Yeah, I think that's because you've got Becky on Raw. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. You've got Bailey yep. on SmackDown. We've seen it. Rhea Ripley, we haven't seen, 
and it would be a huge help to NXT. Exactly. You know, and, and uh, ever since fucking Ray Ripley came into the company, ever since she was just like, I think even on the Mae Young Classic, people have been like, holy shit, I want to see her face Charlotte. Yeah. Like, there's always it, been that kind of, like, underlying dream match aspect because of, like, you know, there's similar kind of, like, physique and size. I was going to say similar builds, but, like, totally different styles. Yes. Yeah, now that Rhea Ripley's got a much more defined character, she's very different stylistically, but at least from a size perspective, yeah, they're a good matchup. Yeah. And it's I'm, – I'm really excited. I really hope they go this route because, yeah, I think it would be a lot more exciting than either Becky or Bailey because, yeah, we haven't seen it. This is – kind of got a lot of built-in intrigue as far as like kind of a dream match. And like you said, it would really help NXT. I think it would make the NXT women's title extremely valuable. Yeah, I mean, in the ratings war, the last time NXT beat AEW was when it was during the Survivor Series time when they had main roster people going down at NXT. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel that that's what you need to score in the ratings... Why not set that up? Yep, exactly. I mean, and just, I mean, it's it's so fucking intriguing in of itself. I feel like they just should do it for, like, the novelty, but, you know. And plus, I feel like they've got plenty of other opportunities, things they can do with Becky and Bailey. Like, for Becky, I still feel like uh, Shayna Baszler probably would be the best. Absolutely. Like, so I feel like you could build to that pretty easily. And then for Bailey... Um, I feel like you could either do something interesting maybe with Sasha Banks or maybe with Naomi here if you wanted to start that program and extend it out. That um, might be... Um, options. It might turn into the multi-woman match because they usually try to have yeah. one of those just to get everyone on. Yeah. And honestly, I th- it probably would be pretty hard for them to build a match for Charlotte and Ripley, a match for Becky and Baszler, and a match for Bailey and somebody. So yeah, you're right. Bailey will probably be defending her title in like a multi-woman match or something like that. Mm-hmm. If it's even on the card at all, I could also see that kind of a being thing where they're like, ah, whatever. We'll just leave it off for the WrestleMania card and just deal with it the next pay per view. Because honestly, I feel like Bailey and her title run has just been such a very low priority for them. Yeah, which is sad. Like it's really sad they give such a little shit about Bailey. Yes, when she was a babyface. It was such a perfect character, and then even when they try to turn her heel and do something different, they still just like don't seem to give a shit about Bailey at all. Like I don't get it. Like, don't care when she's a babyface. Turns heel. Still don't care. Still don't care. Oh well. Poor Bailey. At least she's making a lot of money. Even though if they had done her character right, she could be making a shitload more money. But, you know. That ship has sailed a long time ago. But uh, speaking of ships sailing, yeah, we had the Jericho Cruise a little while ago. AEW's come back to land. And uh, ever since they've come back to land, they're still beating NXT in the, reading, in the ratings every week. Yep. It's uh, I'm interested to see whether uh, this is going to kind of basically just stay as it is, as far as like there's just kind of got this like minor lead, or if like say as some of the other bigger stars that maybe come into the company and change things up, whether that gap continues to widen. Like say once uh, you know Luke Harper comes in, once like Brian Cage comes in, 
once maybe even Lance Archer, who's rumored to potentially be coming in, like maybe once the revival jump ship, who knows? I could see that gap starting to widen. Yeah, I definitely think bringing in guys like the like I would definitely want to see the revival, but I think bringing in guys like Luke Harper, Lance Archer, and Brian Cage will really help them because they don't have a lot of big guys on the roster, and mm-hmm. so um, I think that'll bring some more diversity. Because, like, the time I think of is when Billy Gunn was in that Battle Royal and just, like, towered over everyone. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, yep, they need some more big guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you need a few more big guys to kind of round up because they do have a lot of very small, flippy people. Yeah. And you know how you get small, flippy people over? By wrestling big people <laughs> who they can work off of. Right, And when you've got guys like Luke Harper and Brian Cage and Lance Archer who can do that, that's what really helps. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was just thinking about like a, another person who I would absolutely love to see if they could at some point jump ship because I, I really don't have any doubt or that they're going to get fucked up if they go up to Raw or SmackDown at some point. I would love to see Velveteen Dream jump ship from NXT WWE. <laughs> And go to AEW. Uh, that's if he ever comes back from his injury. That's true. He did have a pretty bad fucking injury. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to go on with that. But, like, I don't know. What would you think about a guy like him in that landscape? Because he's also kind of big, but he's also very showy. Yeah, I think they would allow him to be as showy as he wants to. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, in particular, I really would love to see a match between him and Cody. Because I know there were a couple times where he like specifically called out and like even parodied Cody back on like some NXT shows, mm-hmm. where he did like the weight belt thing, and uh, you know even like the whole Velveteen Dream, you know taking the Dream name, like that's kind of a little bit of a minor slap in the face. I feel like not not in a slap in the face like to Dusty Rhodes, but a slap in the face to Cody. And they're like, I'm the one who's taking part of your dad's legacy. Not you. Yeah. Because you left. Right. Because, like, that's the WWE mentality towards Cody Rhodes. Is, oh, well, you left. Whereas, like, Cody Rhodes, I feel like from his perspective, it's like, yeah, well, I left to go get respect because you guys were, you know, <laughs> treating me like a piece of shit. But, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what else they do with that. I'm excited to see what else they do with uh, Moxley and Jericho, especially with uh, Moxley with the eye patch. Yes. What do you What do you think of Pirate Moxley? Love it. I love that he's selling something long term, and apparently he's like wearing it at all times on the ship and everything. So, dude, he's even wearing it in New Japan. Oh, he is. I heard someone. Had, yeah, I heard he and someone was like on the new beginning shows because yeah. he's like feuding with uh, Suzuki. Yeah. He came out with the eye patch and everything. I was so excited. I love that they're selling it. That's awesome. Like for so many reasons. One, I love they're actually selling it because then like these things actually matter as far as like long-term angles to get over the viciousness of Jericho and just fucking goddamn it. This is pro wrestling. Thank you. <laughs> and they're like, he looks fucking badass with the eye patch. Yeah. Like, it's a whole new awesome look for Moxley. I just also hope that he's like wearing it like around the house when he's home with Renee. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I bet she's into it. 
I just like I hope he talks like a pirate as well. <laughs> it's it's like a full pirate gimmick. Yeah. Like he just becomes Steve the pirate from Dodgeball for a little while. He just thinks he's a fucking pirate. <laughs> Arg, where's me buried treasure? Give it John. Where's me title? Chris Jericho's got me treasure. I gotta go get it. Oh my god. I would fucking love that. That would actually be really fun. Maybe he has like it's like mankind, right? He has like an alternate ego. Yes. Oh, he's long John Silver, right? <laughs> oh my god. Alright, I need to stop with the pirate shit. <laughs> but I do love Pirate Moxley. He is a lot of fun. Uh, it's great yeah, to because like he yeah, and I I just love that like you know they're keeping it and he's bringing it even into different promotions and like over in so in New Japan uh, I'm still working through some of the new beginning shows but one guy who's been of course impressing everybody for a long time here Shingo Takagi uh, like how many of his matches did you get to see from like last year and stuff like that uh, a couple. Did you feel like you were really impressed by him? Because like I feel like I've been blown out of the water by him. I feel like he's been really phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen. But I guess I need to watch more if I'm going to get more of a context. So, well, so to uh, mention him, I was because uh, he had a, a never weight, never open weight title match against uh, Hiroki Goto, and this is you know Hiroki Goto's first defense after taking the title from Kenta, and Shingo fucking beat him and took the title, which is like. You know, shit for Goto, but like great for Shingo. And I think it's just like a start to what's probably going to be a phenomenal fucking 2020 for this guy. Like, I'm really glad to see that they've got big plans for him. Or at least it seems like they do. And they're rewarding the fact that like he's done so well and the fans are getting behind him. So I'm digging it. Like, it, it definitely feels like a good step up. Yeah. Like I said, I could add more if I watched a little. Yeah. So go watch New Japan, damn it. That goes for all of you. Um, but yeah, so like, let's see, what other big uh, things are on the horizon? Because like, I won't go talk too much more about New Japan. I know you're a little behind in those regards, but... Um, yeah, no uh, extra time got, like, yeah, the... <laughs> You know, because we got like the whole Moxley and Jericho thing. We've got... Uh, Cody still feuding with MJF. Uh, what did you think of? I liked that we got to see in this last episode of AEW. There was a promo where MJF goes to the actual like butcher shop and like yes. pays the butcher and the blade guys money to go take out the young bucks. So it's like, all right, cool. So that's their headquarters. They actually have a butcher shop. He's actually yeah. a fucking butcher. And he's got the blade. And he's got the blade. And then they have a bunny for some fucking reason. But you know. I don't get that part. Uh, but uh, I don't, Scott. what did you think of this? I thought this was just like a really cool, important part of like just. I felt like world building. Yes, and I think to make like AEW slow, make sense. They're slowly getting at it, and wh- eventually, whenever they get that second show going, I think they're going to have more of this kind of stuff on there. But yeah, just that mm-hmm. slow build of like telling people the backstory of like who these people are and why they're here and stuff like that, like. I get that they wanted to have the big instant debuts of guys like the Butcher and the Blade, but they're not that well known enough for people to be like, oh shit, it's those guys. Like, instead it was, wait, who's that? 
And so, right. like, with those kind of acts, like, put something on like this of, like, maybe don't show their faces or something, but have MJF going in and being like, I need you guys to do this for me. And then they appear and, like, attack Cody and stuff like that. And then you're, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, totally, actually, you're totally, like, you know, an earlier week, they should have had a promo like this where MGF, or even maybe you don't even see who it is, goes to some dark, mysterious place with some people that you don't see their faces, but you could see part of their costumes, tease it. Yeah. And then saying, like, I need you to take out Cody Rhodes, whatever, and hand them a thing of money. And then it's like, holy shit, who are these people who are going to come take out Cody Rhodes? And then eventually, bam, some people come and attack Cody Rhodes later. Like, you know, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, but something else that I'm, I'm liking that they're planting the seeds for this story, at least, in a little bit more in advance. What do you think of this whole thing with the SCU versus Dark Order, where they're, like, calling out um, Christopher Daniels, basically saying that he's, like, betraying them? Like, I think... What do you, you think is at work here? I think he's going to be the exalted one. Because it, oh, it okay. totally yeah. fits with his gimmick of being like the fallen angel. So you could definitely pull off that type of character. And then it also fits in with the mm-hmm. fact that like he wasn't a part of SCU's title win and stuff like that. So right. I think it would be cool for him to like separate from SCU and have this bigger role. Because apparently the original uh, idea was for Marty Skrull to do it. But then yeah. he re-signed with Ring of Honor, so. Mm. But yeah, I think this would be a really, really interesting kind of course correction, right? To like be Christopher Daniels, because that's right up his fucking alley, like you said. Yeah. And it, I think it would work better than having someone like a Luke Harper or something like that, because... I don't know if he could do that big of a role that would require that a lot of talking. So. No, I mean, I think, I think Luke Harper is at his best when he talks only a little bit. Like for him, less is more, but Christopher Daniels definitely could fit that role for the guy who talk a lot. as like the exalted one. I feel like Luke Harper should be kind of like, maybe like, just like a rogue agent, almost like a serial killer guy who's just like on his own and just like, you don't fuck with him. He's going to kill you. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Maybe he could make like a good tag team partner for like Pac. Maybe they're both just like a couple of like psycho bastards. that's just like, you don't fuck with them. They'll kill you. <laughs> Although I do kind of like Pac just being on his own as well. And I think Luke Harper could also do well on his own. Yeah. And with how much he was like always in a tag team and a stable in WWE, I think I would actually really like to see Luke Harper just on his own for a while under whatever new name he'll have. Mm-hmm. Oh, doesn't he have, like, a decent name on it? Like, isn't his real name Brody Lee or something? Or was that his independent name? Uh, that's was, That was his independent name, so he owns that. Yeah, I, I fucking say just go back to Brody Lee. Yeah. I feel like that sounds better. Better than Luke Harper. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Especially because, like, it calls back to Bruiser Brody, you know? Yeah. Which he reminds me so much of. Oh, yeah. He's definitely, like, in that same vein, for sure. Uh, Let's see. Is there anything else that's happened, like, this last week or so or uh, at the Royal Rumble that was really good you wanted to talk about or or really bad? 
Uh, nothing else that I can think Ooh. of. What did you think of Edge's return on Raw? Because like, we talked about it on Royal Rumble, but we didn't talk about his uh, whole confrontation with uh, Randy on Raw. Oh, I love the one on uh, Raw, the attack. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I thought it was really yeah. good. For both guys, too. Like, you know, Edge clearly was very uh, actually emotional and very excited to be there. And I felt like a lot of his uh, speech was just very heartfelt, you know. And then Randy comes out and, you yeah, know, Randy's very hit and miss. But, like, the times where it seems like he really wants to be on, he's really on. And it seemed like he gave a shit about being on today. Well, I think and he did so phenomenally because he was doing something with like a guy he knows and trusts like Edge. Yeah, totally. That's a good point. And yeah, so I think he felt comfortable and felt like he actually cared about the angle. And so, yeah, he did a good job really selling that beating on Edge. Mm -hmm. Man, the people were so, so fucking like pissed off. They attacked his neck and his head because, yeah, we all know with the injury. Mm -hmm. That was good stuff. So it, it seems like they're probably going to uh, fight at WrestleMania too. you think? Yes, I think that's going to be the... Because Edge isn't like a weekly character. He's going to be... Uh, according to Meltzer, it's like more than a Brock, but not as much as like the regular guys. Right. Yeah. So I, we'll probably get like maybe a handful of matches, if that, from him before WrestleMania. Yeah. Like some tune-up matches, kind of, I guess. And after that, I guess maybe just like a handful throughout the year. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see how well his uh, body holds up. I guess. Yeah, I think it's but. very much like. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very much dependent on his health. But apparently, it's the deal is for I think three years. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. If, if I feel like if they use him sparingly, though, like that's, they could definitely do it. That's achievable. Mm-hmm. Oh, but uh, speaking of achievable, but uh, this is not impressive. Uh, Braun Strowman, you know, just kind of like took the Intercontinental title from uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, I guess. Yeah, you just kind of win it, right? <laughs> you know, because fuck it. That title doesn't mean shit anymore. <laughs> And neither does Nakamura, which is so sad. Like, it's so sad all around. (laughs) At this point, Nakamura has been so buried. And along with him, Sami Zayn, his manager, and along with him, his, like, kind of tag team partner, Cesaro, Mm -hmm. and along with all of them, the Intercontinental title. (laughs) Which even has, like, a new look. But, like, I feel like it looks so much worse than it used to. Because, like, the white strap is iconic. Yeah. And it's... Well, I guess at least until they made, like, all the women's titles also white straps, so... But now even just the plating just all blends together and doesn't... It just looks like this giant glob of gold. You know what it looks like is, like, if somebody on, like, their uh, wrestling video games, when you can create a title, like, somebody just created the most generic piece of shit title, that's what it looks like. Hmm. It's like the creator wrestler, but create a title. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so fucking sad. But I don't know. What are you going to do anymore? I really hope that Shinsuke Nakamura just gets the fuck out of there at the earliest possible opportunity. Comes back to New Japan. 
because he's he's been done dirty. Yeah, I mean, I wa- I wonder if he regrets leaving J- New Japan at this point. Yeah, I, that would be an interesting question to ask him because, like, you know, I'm sure the amount of money that he's made from being here, even if he's been you know booked into oblivion, like the money's got to be good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from some perspective, it's like, oh, you know, maybe. I'm upset that this happened, but like the money was definitely worth it, kind of a thing. I could see that. Yeah. But yeah. he seems like the type of guy that I definitely probably wouldn't want to end his career here. Like, seems like he's probably going to want to actually do some wrestling he's proud of before he dies. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but seems like he's the kind of guy who'd want to go back to New Japan. Uh, let's see. Are there any other? Are there any big cards coming up really soon that we should do predictions for before next show, or do we have time? I think we have time before the next one is Super Showdown. Yeah, Super Showdown for WWE, and then uh, Revolution for AEW is at like the end of the month. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Super Showdown is February twenty seventh, and then. AW. When is uh when is NXT Portland? Oh yeah, that is coming up at a random time. Oh shit, uh that's, look that up. Uh Revolution is the same like the weekend after Super Showdown. So like two days later. And then NXT Portland. February sixteenth. So we have like two weeks before okay. the next. So we have some time. Wow, there's actually a lot of shows this month. Who knew? Yeah. But they're all kind of like, like the end of the month, so we've got a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about this week, or should we sign off for now? Not that I can think of. Sign off for now, and then we'll make our predictions in a few weeks. Shit. All right. Thank you all for joining us and, uh, in my, my dying throat <laughs> for this uh short and prompt to session of super smart brothers. And uh, we'll be back sometime uh, probably like next week or something. And uh, talk some more Wednesday night wars and maybe some predictions for some stuff. All right. Peace out for me. Sounds good. All right. Try it.